Welcome again to The Long View. We're your hosts, Tim Baumgartner and Jane Wassum. And today uh, we have with us Tyler Paulson. And Tyler grew up uh, here in Elizabethton and went to Johnson University and, and then graduated and went to Emmanuel Christian Seminary and graduated just a couple of years ago in 2019. And he is currently serving as the senior minister at Walnut Christian Church. So welcome, Tyler. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're glad to have you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Great. If you would tell us um, a little bit about your story uh, of going into ministry, why you chose it, and maybe a few things about, you know, if you've been in a few different places, but just kind of a um, highlight of, of how that has gone for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I, I was born in Elizabethan, like you said. Uh, I went to, uh, you know, the fine upstanding institution of Happy <laughs> Valley High School. Nice. Okay. Um, and, and that was, I won't, I won't cast aspersions, but uh, I, I didn't, you know, in my time in high school, I, I didn't really find anything that really pulled my interest or guided me or directed me um, other than uh, my youth group when I was uh, in high school. That's sort of what you know, became a first passion uh, for me and really energized me and activated me. Um, so I, you know, decided to pursue ministry. Um, so Can we ask what church, I'm curious, what church or what did you grow up in? Yeah, so I, um, I went to um, Grace Fellowship mm-hmm. until I was an about freshman uh, in high school. And then we switched from like Grace Fellowship over to um, Buffalo Valley Christian Church. Okay. Which you all actually... I do know where that is. Okay, yes. Okay, great. I have seen that place. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it, it's a really interesting, uh, very small church. Yeah, that is a, that's a big change from... Yeah, those. oh yeah, I went from like thousands of people yeah. to like 30 or 40. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. But uh, the guys uh, who were there when I was in high school, um, two Emanuel uh, students, uh, one was Eric Evans... Okay. I don't know if you all know him. I know who that is, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he he was there, um, and, um, you know, he's just like a really incredible minister and a really cool guy. He actually got involved in our, our lives as we were, you know, high school kids uh, trying to figure out life. And, um, I, you know, it was really exciting, you know, to get to know a minister on a personal level, you know, not – not to cast aspersions at Grace, they're doing great stuff too, but, sure. um, you know. Uh, Less opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And and he ended up graduating from Emmanuel, and uh, he he went back to Virginia, sort of where he wanted to, uh, to work after graduation. Um, and so he left, and then another Emmanuel student came and filled in. His name was Ryan Alcott. Um, yeah, we went you, to Milligan together. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, gotcha. Well, not to make you feel old or anything, but I, I was in high school at the time. <laughs> we won't talk right, about age. Do, so. okay. <laughs> we don't need to talk about age. Yeah, That's there right. you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ryan, um, he was, you know, about my age, a little older than me. I was in high school. He was in grad school. And, um, you know, it was the first time where I thought, man, you know, uh, he's doing it. He's doing what I kind of would like to do. How do I pursue that um, around junior year is when I decided that, you know, I wanted to sort of step into ministry and I felt that calling upon me. So, um, you know, I thought, well, let's, I'll go to Emmanuel. And then I realized, oh, I can't go to Emmanuel. I got to go somewhere else first. And mm-hmm. okay, I'll go to Milligan and Milligan's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least it was at the time a few years ago. Still is. It's more. Um, than it was yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it goes up every year. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
So then I discovered a Bible college uh, right outside of Knoxville that was yeah. about t- half the cost. So I decided to go to Johnson. Um, and it's a great place. I love that school. It's really cool. Really good place. Yep. I have some good friends that have gone there. Yeah. Um, and uh, what can I say? I mean, uh, you know, Emmanuel was always the place that I knew good ministers went to and came out of. And so whenever I graduated from Johnson, I was 21 years old and uh, I did not feel ready for ministry. Um, So I took a few years and then I, you know, sort of decided to, you know, go back and go to Emmanuel and get that graduate degree. Okay. So we'll probably come back to that period of time. (laughs) time. We'll put a pin in that one. (laughs) But what did I'm just curious right now that what did you do in that period of time? Yeah, so that was a period of time where you know my wife, um, her name is Marissa. She's from Delaware. Uh, We met at Johnson. Uh, She was a year younger than me. So after I graduated, I wasn't thrilled about. Um, you know, moving back home. I like went home for a summer and I did like an internship at a church in Elizabethan, uh, Southside Christian Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, wanted to be back in Knoxville with my you know girlfriend. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I moved back. Yeah. Um, and I spent some time, I worked at Cracker Barrel as a prep cook. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, for about like five or six months. And then I realized that that was not fun. That's not it. I didn't, yeah. didn't love it. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't like it. Um, and then I, I decided I'm going to, you know, I'm going to improve my standing in life. I'm going to go from working in a kitchen to stocking shelves at Walmart (laughs) in the middle of the night, third shift. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it it paid well. I mean, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked in a warehouse in college. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I worked on the landscaping crew at Milligan. Oh, okay. There you go. I think we've all, maybe we should uh, just all talk about our worst (laughs) job we've ever had. (laughs) Oh, man. It would be a long podcast if we did that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't talk too much. I, I want to block it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The, the, I, worked, I worked in the, the pet department of Walmart. Okay. And so the weirdest people are the ones who buy fish in the middle of the night. <laughs> in the middle of the night. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. even that think is, about that. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, 3 o'clock. It, I need a goldfish right now. Do you ask them, right like, now. why no, are I, you no. getting I, I try to keep the conversation yeah. as brief as possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can understand. I'd be that. so curious. Yeah, it was it was interesting. <laughs> I got some characters. Um, and then w- after Emmanuel, what happened? Sort of, bet- you know, after you graduated. Yeah. So uh, Emmanuel was, you know, one of the first times in my life that I really felt like I was being challenged. Um, you know, I, uh, Johnson was um, really great place, but I was able to sort of, you know you know, not work as hard and, and sort yeah. of get by. You knew what you needed to do to get by. Yeah, It exactly. wasn't about. Yeah. yeah. And I was still, you know, pretty young, uh, still 19, 20, that age. And um, I decided that, you know, if I wanted to be serious about ministry, that I, I needed to, you know, pursue it with my whole effort, I guess. And so, uh, and Emmanuel does that, you know. Uh, and Emmanuel's great because, I, they, they bill it as a three-year program, but I, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Absolutely not. <laughs> it it can technically it can be done. It can it be. It can be. Yeah. I didn't do it in three years. No, I, I did it in. I like to say four years in one class, <laughs> but but I guess it was technically <laughs> five years for me. Um, so I had that last year where I took one class in the fall and that was it. So I I was sort of able to um, transition out of school and into ministry. Well, you know, my, my fourth year, I did an internship 
uh, at First Christian uh, with Andrew Cox. He was a college minister over there yeah. for a while, yeah. So I did an internship with him. Um, and then I had one class left, and I thought, you know, I should, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for something full-time. Um, and uh, Walnut was the place for me, yeah. Okay, so you've been there for a couple of years then. Yeah, so I've been there for three years uh, this past August. So Nice. Yeah, three years. So, so why then? You talked a little bit about um, the decision to go into ministry, and that, that was kind of after being inspired by, you know, spent some time with folks that invested in you. So why, can you talk a little bit about why you chose to go into ministry? Yeah, um, I, I will say that uh, the way that I intuited my calling uh, was that it, it was the most interesting thing in my life. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was one of those kids in high school that's uh, the annoying one in, you know, uh, youth group <laughs> because I had a, a lot of questions and, uh-huh. and I actually read the Bible in my free time. <laughs> you know, smart a, and interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a super great kid. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Best you could ask for. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I really, you know, uh, whenever I, I really started to get plugged in. Uh, into that youth group and, uh, you know, have Bible studies. I, it was the most interesting thing to me. You know, nothing in school uh, was half as interesting as, you know, going to these Bible studies that we did. Um, I, God bless my friends in high school. I made them <laughs> do Bible <laughs> studies with me on Friday night. <laughs> uh, I, I tortured them. I should probably apologize. It's impressive to them. that they but they came. They yeah, but they it, came. Yeah, right? They did. Yeah, so. I don't know that it, it might not have been torture. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> but uh, I still have some of those friends, actually. Yeah. See, there you oh, go. There you go. So I guess how would you um, define or talk about you know your definition of vocation then or calling or both but if you when someone asks you about you know what does calling mean to you or vocation what how do you answer that yeah um I think it's different from everyone I I don't want to be I I think we're all called um and so I I don't think of myself as you know set aside (laughs) you know if we're all holy I'm not the set aside one from the set aside people um but the way that I have pursued ministry or, or my identity as a minister um, is, is trying to understand that we all play a role in the kingdom and uh, we're all given gifts that help us with that role. And um, I, I've always thought of myself as um, somebody who loves to study the Bible. And, and how do I make that practical? I, I talk to other people about the Bible. Um, I, I try to use that energy that God has given me towards um, seeking him deeper uh, and, and push it into, you know, teaching or preaching and sort of that stuff. Yeah. I don't know if I have a good answer also. <laughs> yeah. It, every answer is good. Yeah. You talked a little bit about sort of uh, intuiting your call. So what did that kind of feel like? Uh, how did you have some like confirmation that this is what I need to do or there was never ever anything else ever on the table? Yeah, no, I, not really. Uh, as weird as it is, um, I, I think I, I, I don't, I, I, I lack um, the ability to push hard against God sometimes, you know, um, and I, and I've just always really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself somebody who, you know, had had to fight <laughs> against the calling or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's always been the most interesting thing to me, and. 
you know, maybe once it's not interesting, maybe I'll perhaps pursue something differently. Um, but as long as it's interesting and I love doing it, I'll, I'll keep going. Have there been times where you would say you've had any kind of wrestling or struggle with your, you know, thoughts about vocation or your calling? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. That, <laughs> okay, that's there, we hit the right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit the right uh, note there. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, in my worst moments, I think, man, I would make a, a, a phenomenal, amazing deacon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would. Just don't pay me to do yeah, it. Yeah, if, if you didn't pay <laughs> yeah. me to do it, I would I would be such a servant, you know, for, for this church. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, that's. That's when uh, I guess the difficulty of the church comes into play. The church is this beautiful thing, but uh, also it's incredibly frustrating, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's it's hard. And every church is that way, uh, you know. Yeah, I like uh, Jean Vanier talks about um, you know when you find yourself in the community that you find yourself comparing to other communities or. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if I just went there, then I wouldn't have to deal with this. It's like the perfect community doesn't exist. So just be where you are yeah. and invest in those people because they are the image of God. Yeah. And wherever you go are going to find people that aren't perfect. And newsflash, you're one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I've, that's the piece that I've sort of been able to come to in the midst of uh, COVID the past few years. I, yeah, so know. so if you started three years ago, then in August you said, mm-hmm. so you you had about like nine months or so, and then you had to navigate some difficult situations. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first year of my ministry felt like a year, and then the next two felt like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> you've aged a little bit. Yeah. Right? I can attest to that as well. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um. So, would you say that you? experienced or felt any doubt about calling and ministry? Um, and if so, or if not, how do you kind of find hope in, you know, either the struggles or the doubt? So, but first, I guess just, you know, would you describe having doubts about? Yeah, so I would say that doubt comes into, I guess, my role, mm-hmm. my position, like in the church. Uh, for a long time, I you know I went to Johnson and I got uh, everyone does a degree in Bible and then I had a specialty in like preaching slash youth ministry. Okay, um, and, and I always thought for a long time that I would sort of go the youth minister route, um, and I think probably it's because I most identified with youth. Yeah, <laughs> you know when I thought of myself, I thought I'm, I'm mostly a kid. <laughs> I'm still. just a big kid. Yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. I should hang out with them. Um, that was like me in campus ministry, but ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I ended up, uh, this church was really interested in having me preach and, uh, I was up to that challenge and that, um, you know, opportunity. So, so if you had this idea of yourself as a minister, but primarily working with youth then presented with this opportunity to, to be preaching every Sunday, how did that change your understanding of what it means to be called? And your understanding of what your own vocation looked like. Yeah, so I, I think the important uh, thing with calling is the willingness to serve. And, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time thinking that um, I'm, you know, for me, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think I'm called to one thing. I, I can't put myself in a situation where I say I am the senior minister. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, 
you know, I, I just try to serve in what capacity I find myself in. And it's really funny, the, the fact that I am at a church of about 50 or so people, I do it all. So right. I yeah. am yeah. part youth minister and part senior minister. And I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. I was cleaning out uh, plumbing earlier, right before you, about an hour ago. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, you know, this over this last year and a half, then, when things got really hard, so you're already kind of doing something that you maybe hadn't envisioned yet. Typically, it's like, I'm going to be a youth minister, and then I'll be the senior minister, and you jumped right into that, and then you're faced with, trying to you know, minister in a small congregation of about 50 or so. And then during a pandemic, during a pandemic. Right. So yeah. um, how, how did, uh, uh, how were you able to sort of sustain yourself over the last year and a half in that context? Yeah. Um, so I think the best area or space in my ministry was finding people that I can meet with Um local ministers and folks. Okay. Yeah. Um, but funny enough, uh, at sort of towards the, by the, by the summer of, of COVID, both of the two ministers that I met with stepped away from ministry. Um, so it was already hard, but we right. were, we were meeting every single week and oh. encouraging each other. And then they both stepped out and it was just me. And that made things yeah, more challenging again. What yeah. did you do at that point? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, COVID was a situation where, uh, and it still is to an extent. Yeah. But the early days, um, it was it was just like, how do we how do we deal with this emergency? And, and then, you know, a month or two in, I, I got comfortable with, um, you know, how our response. And so it was just okay. Let's wait it out. Let's let's see how what we have to do. Um, you know, to, to sort of wait our way through this thing. And, uh, but then I, you know, I, I hit a point with, I think a lot of people did of like allowing myself the space to not do as much and relax mm-hmm. and rest and, you know, embrace whatever opportunity we can glean from the horrible thing that was going on. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I was able to sort of rest, bit and that was good um but eventually i got to a point um you know i guess by that fall and into that winter where i i was uh just incredibly lonely in ministry uh yeah yeah. and so um by the spring i had decided okay i'm going to I, i have to find a community um and actually just sort of over the past few months uh i've able been able to meet with a few more people uh, again, uh, I'm meeting with Tim Ross now. Um, he's a yeah. good guy to meet with. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. fantastic. And you know, whenever I first started my job, um, my wife told me three years ago, "Hey, you should talk to Tim. He's, he's okay, a good resource. sure, sure." And I was like, oh, "He's he's he's too <laughs> he's busy. Too busy. Yeah. I'm not important enough to meet with Tim Ross. He's amazing." Uh, and of course, he's thrilled to meet with now me. Now you're meeting. Yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, he's a great he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I guess whether it's meeting with him or other things, but how have you found hope kind of in the midst of this last season, you know, with COVID or just some of the things you faced in the church? Um, how have you been able to kind of look forward with hope? It's hard not to be hopeful when we've survived. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I had COVID. Really? Uh, yeah, and it was 
I think in the fall of 2020. Um, and it was like the sickest I'd ever been. Uh, and, and just knowing so many people had, you know, um, you know, suffered and died from it. Um, it was hard, you know, not to, you know, have hope, have hope after I, I healed from that. Yeah. It's humbling uh, too. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I feel like, I don't know. It's, it's hard not to think, well, I survived this thing and, and I'm surviving the hardships of COVID. If we can handle this, I feel like I'm, you know, pretty well equipped, you know, to, to handle other things. So you've had the opportunity to go through some really hard things and, uh, and survive and get through it. And so thinking about the future, what, what other kind of hopes or dreams do you have about the future just in your own ministry and who you hope to become uh, continuing to follow God's call and lead in your life? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think for, for Walnut, they're in a position where, uh, you know, they're excited to bring on somebody, hopefully. I mean, I know that, I don't know, the job, job market's really hard right now, but yeah. uh, they're hoping to bring in somebody part-time as a youth person, so I wouldn't be the only That'd be person. a big help. Yeah, that'd be really a huge help. Um, so I wouldn't be the only, you know, person on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings me hope and uh, hoping we can find the right person um, for that. Um, that would be just a huge encouragement to me. I'll bet that it's hard when you're the one that's, it's just you yeah. all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that can be real challenging just to have somebody to talk to about and think about the work, mm-hmm. about how best to, to do it. Uh, what about times of decision making like one of the things we're talking about you know on this podcast is sort of uh our stories and the times that we've made different decisions or been in a season of discernment um can you talk a little bit about your experience with that um you know seasons of decision making or discernment um or if there are you know other things in your life that you uh, are in a season of discernment like what does that mean to you or look like to you so I guess I'd answer that in two different ways uh, decision making with uh, the leadership of my church has been uh, a challenge I, I think that most ministers uh, that's that's a, a, mm-hmm. a know, common commonality thing. Yeah, yes. definitely, yeah. definitely uh, all this time. find some good company there yeah um, and, and so that's been um you know, that's been most interesting is that I've learned I've had to yield myself over to God in decision-making. Sometimes whenever I, I don't feel like the decisions being made that I 100% agree on, I have to get comfortable with settling for 50% or, or you know, 75% comfortability, I guess. Um, and, and that's been humbling to learn from God that, um, you know, sometimes we have to have space to uh, have patience and, and allow decisions to be made that um, are in God's hands more than mine. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, if I had my way, I'd make the decision 100% of the time. And um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, That's it. Um, we were talking to, to another guest um, recently, and she was talking about um, just how... Uh, the church for a long time, and obviously just as humans, uh, we tend to be very individualistic mm-hmm. and just kind of how, um, you know, the call to uh, be a part of the body of Christ and to function that way, both in ministry, but just in our own lives, 
um, that it's kind of a call away from that. And that's, you know, can be uh, very challenging. Mm. Um, but that God works through it and uses it as well. Yeah, yeah. Each new month is a new opportunity with a board meeting for me to say, have, have thine own way, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, like, how you mentioned patience, like to be able to deal with uh, and work with uh, decisions or directions maybe that you might not be uh, 100% your own idea. Like, how do, you, how do you cultivate a sense of patience uh, in your work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, um, it's a physical reminder that, that uh, even if I, was, if I felt like I was in full control when I was making a decision, I'm not. Right. <laughs> uh, it is humbling to remind, you know, be able to remind myself that things really are in God's hands. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is, it's humbling and uh, important to know that I don't have to feel a sense of control over a decision in order for it to be the right decision. Mm. Uh, decisions can be the right thing, whether or not I feel like I'm in control of them. And, yeah. That's an important distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, as for, I don't know, I guess my individual decisions, uh, I tend to have a lot of fear. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't make decisions easily or lightly. Um, uh, and I, you Do you know. tend to, once you do make a decision, do you tend to stick with that or do you like second guess all the way to? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess just being, uh, you know, used to the fear and being finding comfort in the fact that at the very least, uh, whether or not I've made the right decision, I'm following and I'm, I'm trying to serve and follow God uh, to the best of my ability. Yeah. we didn't really talk about Enneagram stuff at all. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to ask you, how do you, yeah. I mean that when you know that about yourself, you know, and how does that change the way you approach? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Kind of like, how do you work with that? when you have decisions and are in periods of discernment. Yeah. Um, so I'm a nine is what I've been told. Okay. <laughs> I, I took See, a, that's the problem though. Okay. That's the thing you've got to figure out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I took a test and it said I was a nine. <laughs> <laughs> I just, don't want to uh, go against, the, against yeah, that, right? Yeah. So. Um, I will say uh, just uh, as a personality, I think it's a personality flaw on my part, but I don't really like eights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite thing to do to an eight is remind them that Hitler was an eight. <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, keeps them humble. Uh, um, but but I think uh, as funny as that is, whenever I you know feel backed up against the wall and I'm put in a corner, mm-hmm. I think I turn into an eight on accident. I, I sort of uh, that's I, I, I get very forceful with my opinions and mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Well, it gives you a sense of control, like yeah. when. Like when you've been pushed to a certain degree and not knowing which way to go, mm-hmm. and then at some point you've got to be able to make that decision. And if it's uh, if that A can come out, it can be yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. Is that surprising to the people around you when uh, you get to that point? A little bit, but yeah. also not surprising because people who've known me really well know. Okay, this is Tyler uh-huh. when he okay. turns into a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, are there any other, like, practices or things that, you know, you do or find helpful um, when you're, you know, feeling that, like, fear or, you know, um, that struggle with decision-making? 
you know, I, I guess, you know, when I make a decision that I'm not entirely sure about, if it is something that I, I'm really worried about, um, I, I try really hard uh, in those moments to try to see how God is responding. Um, you know, just pausing and saying, well, I made this decision. Um, you know, this response has happened. This thing has happened. That that means it's a good thing that I did. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, uh, and maybe I feel like that means I'm, you know, um, uh, shoot, how are decisions made in the Old Testament? Casting lots. Casting yeah, lots. Yeah. I feel like I'm casting lots and I'm looking. And, okay, thanks, yeah. God. That's, yeah. that's what it was supposed to be. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. exactly. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as we are trying to to make decisions and it's hard to have that awareness in the moment like okay I need to stop and see where is God moving in the midst of this mm-hmm. and to be able to have that um, that attention to the presence of God in the work that we do mm-hmm. is often something that we just take for granted and um, we just kind of plow through with our own agenda or just assume that it's the right thing to do because that's what other people have decided and so we're going to go with that but to be able to stop in the midst of whatever decision or process we're in to say, okay, I need to acknowledge that God is here in this moment and kind of where is God moving and how can I align myself in that direction? That can be hard to do. Yeah, I think um, we might share the poem, The Real Work, Wendell Berry. Yeah. Maybe we should later. Yeah, I but so. I was actually just thinking about it as you were talking um, because some of those moments of struggle or fear, confusion, um, are basically signs of paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be a scary place, I think. Um, and, you know, it can be a scary place also, though, if you've grown tired of questions and kind of resort to just simple answers. Yeah. Um, but what Wendell Berry talks about is that it's um, the impeded stream is the one that sings. That's the last line of of that poem giving it away but (laughs) (laughs) oh no uh, but it's almost like that you know is a sign that um you're paying attention um to god and that attention is is kind of you know what we strive to have to god that's um that's all we can do right so as you think about uh other other folks that are in ministry and doing good work what kind of encouragement could you offer to others, um, to stay open to uh, being a, paying attention to, to God's leading in, in their life and direction and their vocation? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say that the most important thing for me is making space and time for uh, thoughtfulness, I think intentional thoughtfulness. Um, because for a long time, I, I didn't leave myself open to that opportunity and um, you know, I just felt like I was rushing heads headlong into things without looking left or right or behind me to, to see uh, if I was going in the right direction and, and um, you know, if I was making the right decisions. And so... Um, what, the, what does that look like, practically? Creating that time and space for reflection, what does that look like? Oh, man. Um, usually it's on a Monday morning <laughs> after <laughs> my, my big, uh, you know, work day. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just sitting with a cup of coffee and... Uh, asking myself what went right, what went wrong, what needs to change, and what needs to stay the same. <laughs> yeah, and just pausing. I think it's so important to just just pause. Uh, I'm I don't I'm a person who doesn't do well with uh, stopping and quiet. <laughs> I like to just uh, keep most going. of us aren't. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like most yeah. most aren't. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. I feel like it is something that you 
sort of have to do intentionally, right? I mean, you have Mm -hmm. to kind of decide to do that, set aside the time, Mm -hmm. space, like you said, um, and do it by ourselves, but also potentially with other people too, like listening in that way, like thoughtfully kind of with other people too. Mm-hmm. On a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not just every now and then. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Do you have any other final words of wisdom to share? I should. <laughs> no. so this right. would be the perfect no. opportunity for one. Uh, try to love what you do. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the most important thing. I think that's great advice for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've loved having you, um, and we uh, would love to share this poem with everyone. Uh, it's by Wendell Berry, and it is called The Real Work. It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And that when we no longer know which way to go, we have come to our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. Amen. Amen. Hopefully we can uh, do a little singing ourselves. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tyler.